All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk, live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. Another loss for the Edmonton Oilers, a team with all that skill, losing in a skills competition. Let's get into it with the lead. How do you, come on, one goal on five attempts in the shootout? What is this nonsense? The Oilers drop a rather frustrating 5-4 game at the hands of the Detroit Red Wings, give the Oilers two losses in a row, three losses in their last four, despite playing four teams that are clearly out of the playoff picture. Not a great look for the Edmonton Oilers, as, I mean, the last week was a great chance for them to get saddled up and slide into top spot in the division. And now they find themselves fourth in the Pacific, just five points clear of the Calgary Flames. Interesting news and some interesting developments at Oilers practice. Kyler Yamamoto and Warren Fogle both on the ice. Yesa Pugliarvi is not. I thought maybe just based on what Jason Greger said today on the DFO rundown, there was... Maybe some reports that it could be Warren Fogle going on waivers this morning. That potentially appears to not be the case. We are going to keep our eyes peeled. It is noon. The waiver wire has been set in the NHL. And I am just sitting here staring at Twitter. I'm looking at Liam on the other screen. Liam is sitting there staring at Twitter. Everyone's waiting patiently. What's going to happen with the Edmonton Oilers roster? Will we get someone on waivers? 
Will we potentially be getting a trade? Liam, what do you think? I think waivers is going to be where I put my money. And if he clears, then I think that's when we see the trade. But I don't know about you, Tyler, but I am refreshing my Twitter every two seconds. I'm just staring at my tweet deck and it, it automatically updates. We still haven't gotten anything. 12.01. I honestly thought we were getting Fogel on waivers today. That was what the rumor kind of was. Jason Greger said today, like I said, on the DFO rundown that he had heard that as well. Frank Saravalli kind of said it doesn't sound like they would put Pugliarvi on waivers because I believe they could have a trade for him. Frank even said yesterday on our show that the Oilers could have a trade for him. Ryan Rashog, there we go. Waiver wire news. Nobody on waivers today. But Pugliarvi not on the ice at practice. <laughs> oh, the plot thickens, Liam. What's going on? Who knows? This storyline is... It, they really, they've really got all they can out of it, I think, at this point. It, eventually, something has to happen. There's got to be a trade. There's got to be a trade, or someone's got to go down because... Kylie Yamamoto can't just sit in the stands for all this time if he's actually ready to go. So we'll see. But if no one's on waivers today and Poyavi's not on practice, I didn't see anything in the game yesterday that would indicate he would be out unless he's the next victim of this 24-hour flu that's going around the Oilers dressing room right now. We saw Kane have it. Obviously, Vinny DeHarnay didn't play yesterday. Could this possibly be it? Are we reading into it a bit too much and that's all it is? Maybe. Huh. I have no idea. I have no idea what the Edmonton Oilers are up to right now. Um, so with no waivers today, that means Kyler Yamamoto cannot be activated for tomorrow against the Rangers unless a trade is made. So we'll see what goes on here. We are going to be keeping you up to date on everything that could potentially be going down when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers and this roster crunch, because Listen, something's got to give eventually. We will keep you updated. Don't worry. As long as you are tuned into the show on Oilers Nation, Twitter, Facebook, and the DFO, or sorry, the Nation Network YouTube, we'll keep you posted. Uh, this is Oilers Nation Every Day coming to you live from the Sports Closet studio. I saw Jay today was tweeting Oilers Nation or tweeting Sports Closet and saying, when can I get a Carlson jersey? I Come on, Jay. <laughs> come on. You know it's not happening. Either way, sportscloset.ca has all the current Oilers needs you could ask for, including those beautiful reverse retro jerseys, a ton of great stuff. Sportscloset.ca, the Nation Network YouTube. Brad Neski has the first comment. He says, tough loss. Before the season, I thought this team was a cup contender and a bigger piece away from being over the edge. Now, I don't know if a bigger piece makes this team a cup contender. Such a mixed bag. Sergeant Battle says, I think they're still a contender. Even if they don't add anyone big at the deadline, it's my belief that come playoff time, we will see this team's best hockey. Well, we did certainly, well, we certainly didn't see their best hockey last night. Uh, they just, they started flat again. And, and that's a really concerning thing for this team. We'll get into my three big things for Montana's in a second here, Liam. But are you getting worried with... I mean, some old habits creeping back in. Goaltending, a problem. Starting game strong, a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not been good the last four games for the Oilers. The the Ottawa game was was their best one. But when you look back at it, like Philadelphia was a pretty lackluster effort. Montreal was brutal. Last night for the back half of the game, maybe, maybe 40 minutes or so, they were pretty solid. But that first half... 
uh, sorry, that first period of the first goal from Dylan Larkin was just bad from Campbell. That can't be scored from there. You can't cheat the pass that you've got to anticipate that there could be a shot there. And then the penalty kill was was 0-2 last night. But yeah, I agree. Like something kind of needs to change because these next two games you have the New York Rangers and the Colorado Avalanche. So it's gonna be a test. You've you're through the easy part of your schedule now. So here come the big dogs. Here come the big dogs indeed. Uh, it does not get any easier. We will talk about the upcoming schedule. We will talk about some trade talk, but let's get into our three big things for our friends at Montana's. We have a $100 gift card up for grabs. Oilers Nation Twitter, Oilers Nation Facebook, and Instagram is where you can find out more. That draw is going tomorrow. 100 bucks to Montana's. Head to our socials to find out how you can win. Shout out to Montana's and their fantastic lineup of daily deals. Number one for me and my three big things, there were a lot of very preventable goals in that hockey game um, for a handful of reasons. A couple of them were the direct result of bad icings by the Oilers. Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a chance to make an easy outlet pass, didn't. Brett Kulak spent 25 seconds standing behind his own net looking for an outlet. It didn't happen. Two of those goals should not have happened because good teams don't commit bad icings like that. The other side of it was the penalty kill was absolutely atrocious, allowing two goals on two attempts. The third side of that is that the goaltending was atrocious last night. No matter what way you cut it up, Jack Campbell wasn't good. So the icings, that happens. You need to win those face-offs. Maybe that's a comment that the Oilers got to get better in the dot. I know they won the majority of the draws yesterday, but they lost a lot of really big draws. That's a problem. You got to make those passes. That's a problem. Jack Campbell's got to make a save. That's a problem. Your penalty kill's got to get the puck out. That's a problem. We'll start with Campbell. Liam, I thought he could have stopped three of those goals last night. I just, I didn't like it at all. And okay, he made a big save. He stopped, you know, a one timer that he slid across on, stopped to break away late. That's awesome. He's a $5 million goalie. He better. He's, he can't have games like this down the stretch. Like you can give up one bad goal. Mm. They would have won that game if he only gave up two bad goals. He gave up three bad goals. It can't happen. Which was the one you thought was allowed, I guess? Which was the fair one? The Fabry one, which I think is the one Aaron has teed up next year. Like This one was squarely on the PK. Look, they have a chance to get it out. Right here. Get that puck out. Ryan Mm -hmm. McLeod, I think that is who that player was, doesn't quite stop on it. You need to control the puck, not be looking for offense. That's a problem that's been plaguing this team on the PK for so long. Get the puck out. That's not a goal. That one I don't put on Jack Campbell. The other ones, Larkin down low, goes five. Like Campbell's overcommitting, out of position. He's making himself small in the crease, leaves his five hole open. Can't happen. The Ali Matta goal, which was just the slap shot from the blue line that went in, can happen, man. Like, you got to stop that puck. It's a clear yeah. shot with no traffic. Let's get a look at it. First off, Ali Mata signs a th- two-year extension with the Wings today, too. But, like, no traffic. Get in front of it. Stop it. That was going right at your chest, man. Frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I think the one goal that you just said was kind of not on him, was fair to say. And just the goal itself was maybe just a good play from Detroit to to kind of put it in that spot to get a deflection. But yeah, the first one can't go through him like that. The second one was the deflected goal. Maybe you've got to anticipate that a little bit more. That's kind of on your positioning. But yeah, the Oli Matter one there just felt like such a bat breaker because the others got back in the game a little bit and then all of a sudden you're letting the slap shot through from 
It's not like Ollie Madison, elite goal scorer either that just hammers oh. shots from the blue line and gets them through. Like I'd be surprised if he's ever hit eight goals in his career in a season, to be honest. So just the fact he's able to to do that on Campbell, who has been great recently, but let's just hope this really is a good. game that's kind of just a hiccup in the road and something he can bounce back up against this weekend. If I would assume he gets one of the two stars at least. Career high of nine for Ollie Matta, Liam, in his rookie oh, so season close. back in 2013-14. He's hit nine before. He's got five now on the year. He's got a new two-year extension for uh, with the Red Wings. I'll talk about that a little bit more later because I do believe he was one of the guys the Oilers would have had interest in at the deadline. And yeah, like Jack Campbell was good in the month of January. His last two appearances have not been good. The game against Ottawa had a weak one. He had an 897 save percentage. And last night against Detroit, there was a lot of weak ones. So it's a little concerning right now when you look at the two goalies and how they're both kind of sputtering. I would probably go back to Stuart Skinner on Friday night against the Rangers just because I think you need to keep flip-flopping him till one guy gets hot. But that was uh, that was not good. Tyler Mulek said Fabry and the Cider goal both bad. The Fabry goal, I Again, it was a decent shot. Like, I don't hate it. Um, the one from the goal line can't go in. I didn't like the goal he gave up to Larkin down low. I think that just speaks to a bigger problem with Jack Campbell's game as well. So Campbell is my second big thing. Preventable goals was my first one. The penalty kill uh, was mixed into that first one as well. Like, you need to be better on the PK. You got to get pucks out. Stop mm -hmm. looking for offense. Be better shorthanded. They started to turn it around. And last night, like, a big reason why the Oilers turned it around in January PK got better. Goaltending got better. They started games on time. Last night, they didn't start on time. Their goaltending wasn't good. Their PK sucked and they lost. There you go. That's right there. And you lost a one, you lost a shootout. You had every opportunity to win that game in overtime. And Brad Bay had an interesting comment in the chat that I want to talk about a little bit later too. But the fact that all those things went wrong and you still managed to get a point, I guess, is a positive sign because every team's going to have stinkers. But I just look at this now as three of their last four games, they've not played good. And now you're staring down the barrel of New York and Colorado. The Rangers have won like five or six in a row. They look like a juggernaut. Colorado just beat the Minnesota, or yeah, beat the Minnesota Wild last night. They look good again, too. You got to figure it out in a hurry or else this is going to turn into a losing streak. Yeah, and I think the alarming thing is, too, the, the chances that they're giving up aren't exactly like high danger chances and they're still going in, if that makes sense. You know, like, you look at the goals last night, it is coming through from errors from the team. I know sometimes yeah. you just the puck just hits you and it ends up in the back of the net. That kind of is what it is, I suppose. But yeah, it's not it's not getting any easier. So hopefully they can just kind of shake this off a little bit. And honestly, a couple of the bigger players need to maybe step up a little bit too and start showing a little bit more. But to be honest, I do thought Donnell Nurse had a pretty solid game last night. Hit the post early on, yep. like was involved on the was it the other's first goal? I think it was where he got hammered into the net. Like I thought he, uh, I thought to his credit, he had a, he had a solid game. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, I, I thought he did too. I thought that was one of Darnell Nurse's best games of the year. You would need uh, you would need both hands to count the amount of really good keep-ins he had at the offensive blue line too, which I think is a really encouraging sign for Nurse. I think that means he's starting to read the game a little bit better. Uh, my third big thing from last night is the new Ryan New Hopkins mm. three-point effort. Scored a couple of goals on pace for 37, 38 goals on the season and got the scoring going with what I would describe as a vintage Ryan Nugent Hopkins goal. Connor McDavid, this would be his 98th point on the season as he drops it back to RNH. Boom, far side. Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets crashed into a little bit as well as Darnell Nurse flies into the net. But that was a big goal. Nugent Burry's the second one not too long after. Uh, may this Nugent heater never end because it is a lot of fun watching this guy do what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, he's just coming up in, in massive moments for them, right? Like this goal right here, yep. like that was so big for them at that time and they needed it desperately. And when you described it going bar side or whatever you just said, I thought you were talking about Darnell Nurse, not the puck itself. But either way, <laughs> the nude showed up and it just shows how much the coach is trusting him too when he's the first guy mm -hmm. up in the shootout almost every single time they get there. And yeah, then the great play by Zach Hyman too, after getting hit down to his knees and then somehow sticking with the play, just just, just shows yep. the quite that guy has to, doesn't have to, or whatever it is. Yeah, and I like this point from Lance. He says, Soup wasn't strong, but I thought the team didn't give up and kept battling. That's a great sign. Yeah, like, and credit to Jack Campbell too, right? Like, he gave up four bad goals, or three bad goals, four goals in total, and he made that great stop on the two-on-one. Like, this is an elite-level save. So fantastic stop and then he stopped Rasmussen on the breakaway late in overtime that kept the game going and he stopped Dylan Larkin in the shootout when the game was on the line like he made some really big saves and I think that's a good sign for where Jack Campbell's game is at mentally I think this team as a whole continued to show they don't have any quit they've been very good at comebacks all season long it's not exactly surprising but they were down two goals in the third period they found a way to storm back and tie that game and get a point so there were still some positive things to pull from there but on the night as a whole, you have to beat the Red Wings. Because if you get two points Agreed. instead of one, you're tied with the Kings and you're one clear of the Seattle Kraken. You know, that that was a big point you lost against Philly, especially when you look at what's coming ahead. And that's just, that's the bottom line. So those are three big things brought to you by Montana's. If you want to find out more about their fantastic lineup of daily deals and how they are bringing back the viewing party this season, montanas.ca is where you can head. Look at that lineup. Half price wings on Monday, $5 tacos on Tuesday, all you can eat ribs on Wednesday and Sundays, and you're just lounging around. 
15% off online takeout when you order online. The promo code's on the screen there as well. Uh, Liam, elsewhere in that hockey game last night, uh, what else did you like? I thought Brett Kulak was really good too, actually. I thought their blue line as a whole was actually pretty solid in that hockey game. You think about the third period when you kind of needed to turn the Jets on and, and keep the Red Wings out of your own end. I thought they were excellent. The Red Wings didn't have a shot for like 10 minutes in the third period last night. The Oilers at five on five outshot the Wings 37 to 18 in that hockey game. I thought I thought defensively the Oilers were actually good. The only part of the game I didn't like in their own end was their inability to win faceoffs, and that's it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of with you. I like the point. Uh, sorry, you were just talking about them. With someone mentioned it in the chat, like at least it was an uh, it was a better game than it was against Montreal. I think we can all agree on that. The effort was definitely there last night for the Oilers, but it's just the stuff, like you said, like you limited so many chances, but you still allowed. F- four goals so that's not ideal um but one positive i really liked was uh derek ryan that man just loves playing in edmonton that tip was nasty and then he also made that little play with mcdavid in the uh i think that was in the third period too where kind of got huso stopped him there kind of close to the net so i just like derek ryan i think he's just one of those guys who's he's so valuable to this team but not in like a massive way you don't need him every single night but when you do need him, he seems to show up in a very positive way, which is something he's just consistently done during his time in Edmonton. So Derek Ryan was was a massive positive for me. Um, I did like the Brett Kulak performance, like you said. And I yep. also liked in a way that the Oilers didn't just go out there and try and beat up the Red Wings. I know it didn't go as planned with the result, but they actually just tried to play hockey, which I thought was good and didn't just allow whatever happened last game to linger over into this one because I think it maybe wouldn't have gone the other's way, even though they lost. Saw Gavin, the intern, passed along a note, and someone else texted me about it as well. The San Jose Sharks called up a D-man this morning, um, asking if there's any significance there. They only have six on their roster right now, so I would assume there's no significance there. Like They're running right now a (laughs) 21-player roster with three goalies. I think this might just be something where uh, oh, and they had Aaron Dell up on an emergency loan. So I'd assume it maybe means Dell's going back down. They have an extra roster spot and they're going to bring up a seventh D-man just to, you know, have seven D-men like most teams like to do. So I don't think there's anything to read into there. So all good. All good. Um, yeah, obviously a lot of speculation today with, uh, if you missed it off the top, no new Oilers on waivers today. But yes, Apuliarvi is not on the ice for practice. Warren Fogle is on the ice for practice. Kyler Yamamoto is on the ice for practice. So leading to a lot of speculation around maybe we'll get something today in regards to Yesa Puliyarvi because, I mean, let's let's be honest here. If Kyler Yamamoto has been ready to go since Tuesday, how long can you keep him out of the lineup until Yamamoto himself will sit there and go, come on, I'm playing. I'm good to go. The doctors can only sign off on those notes for the Oilers for so long until someone's going to start getting suspicious. So we're uh, still waiting to see some potential news today. Uh, Connor McDavid couldn't get that 100th point of the year. I thought it would have been a fantastic moment if he would have done it in overtime, but the Oilers drop another decision outside of regulation. That is now six OT or shootout losses on the year. They only have two OT or shootout wins on the year. Two and six. This Oilers team, two and six in extra time when they're supposed to be dominant. Brad Bay with a comment that maybe teams have figured out McDavid and Dreisaitl and they need a new look. Liam, next time the Oilers in OT, 
Do you want to see 29 and 97 over the boards first? Or do you want to see maybe Jay Woodcroft do something different? I think I might like to see maybe McDavid mixed in with other players. I think that's a good way to do it. Like I completely understand it. That they're such an incredible duo and they can score at any moment. And that's what you put them out there for. But the Oilers also have a lot of other offensive players that are producing at a high level right now. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think both McDavid's assists came on Nugent they Hopkins did. goals last night. Did they not? So there's a duo fear. I honestly would like to see Tyson Berry out there a little bit more in overtime. I find that he's maybe not out there as much considering his abilities. I understand the nurse with McDavid and Dreisaitl because he has the speed with it, but uh, Barry, Nurse, and probably Kulak would be the three I would roll out there on the blue line. And then, yeah, I would. I just think you got to maybe rotate some other players in, like a Holloway, maybe a Ryan McLeod, just players with speed. But it is yeah. really strange how this team has become so bad in overtime. And the shootout is what it is, in my opinion. I don't really care how good they are in that. It's, it's a game of chance, Doesn't really. Matter. But the overtime, they need to start winning games because this should be a spot where the Oilers can produce extra points for themselves because of how dangerous they can be. Yeah, six points you've left on the board. I know at least two of them have been in a shootout with Philly and obviously Detroit last night. So even if you take the shootout as a coin flip, four games now, losing an OT, that just really shouldn't be happening with this team. So that's four four to six points you've left on the board this season. That's the difference between you being fourth and you being first in the division. Um, yeah, not great. Don't love it. Don't love it at all. Uh, the Nation Network YouTube chat is bumping. Kyler says dry Nuge nurse as second. Yeah, like maybe there is. You go McDavid, Kane, and Barry, and then you go whatever. Uh, the 21 ABC, don't let dry shootout, shoot and shootouts anymore. 0 for 2 this week. Leon Dry settle in the shootout. Yeah, sure, maybe. Tyler Mulek says McLeod Holloway Broberg in OT. I highly doubt you will see that. I don't think Jay Woodcroft would go with three young and experienced players in OT, although they did use McLeod in the OT against Philly and actually thought he was he was pretty good. But that guy, we're talking about things from last night's game. Ryan McLeod's got to shoot the damn puck more. Like he had a chance on a little half sort of partial odd man rush and he tried to just flutter one through the crease for a backdoor tap in and no one was there. Dude, shoot the thing. You've scored like six goals in your last nine games. Like, you can score. Shoot the puck. That was a little frustrating for me last night. Um, Guitar Maniacs, 97 and 29, look weirdly gassed in OT last night. They were playing a ton. Like, they were both on the ice a lot. And there was the one overtime shift where it extended and stretched out for quite a bit. So I think that probably played a decent role in it. Uh, talking about the OT thing, Tyson says, I would try McDavid, Nuge, and Nurse, and then Dreisaitl, Hyman, and Barry. Yeah, I think, listen, you have so much talent that I think you could probably try something a little bit different, but I will say, we're not behind the bench, right? It, it's not our kind of asses on the line when it comes to this, and I think when you're Jay Woodcroft, it is just really hard to not sit there and go, let's just win this on the first shift of OT, and if you want to win it first shift of OT, mm -hmm. 29 to 97 give you the best chance of doing that, right? So I don't know. I, I get it. I understand the criticism. I don't know personally if I would have the stones to sit there and not start both those guys right off the bat in overtime. Honestly, I think it's just really hard to do that. I think I, I get it. It's like the strategy of putting McDavid and Drysaddle right out there after the penalty kill. Like you're kind of trying to catch the team on a on a bad break and 
maybe after that, that's when you turn away from it a little bit on the second shift, but also, I guess, to count on my own point, you want two of the most deadly offensive players in the league out there in overtime as much as you can. Exactly. Do you can do you consider the three forward approach? Are we that bold yet? Have we tried everything? Do we need to go to that one? McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins as an overtime trio, Tyler. Thoughts? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you probably want like the thing is, like it's crazy to think about it, right? Because you want a D-man out there. But how often does the D-man even play defense, right? Like yeah. There's been points this year in OT where McDavid's got to be the one defending the two on one and all that. And I don't know. I think if I think if you were to get an offensive zone face off, you could do it. Was there not a point this year in OT where the Oilers got a power play in overtime and went with four forwards? I think there was a game where they did that. So Woodcroft yeah, shown a they, bit of a willingness did. to do it. Yeah, because we were yeah. tweeting about it yeah. quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, why not? Right. What is it? What does it truly matter? Like you said, the guys who are playing defense on the blue line aren't even playing on the blue line that much. Anyway, it doesn't have to happen every shift, but maybe maybe you catch them on an ice and like you just mentioned and you throw throw out an extra forward there and just see what you can do. I mean, it's overtime. Yeah. It's literally a skills competition for five minutes. So yep. go for it as far as I'm concerned. Tyler Mulek, Tyler Mulek said, pull the goalie like they do in the KHL. And I actually don't know how many people mm. know this, but if you pull your goalie in overtime and the other team scores, you forfeit your extra point. You get zero points for that loss. So really? I wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's actually, that's a rule the NHL has. You can't pull your goalie in OT. And if, I mean, if you win, sure, but it's a huge gamble and one that is absolutely not worth taking. Can you pull him if there's a delayed penalty? So I actually had that thought as well when I had the rule explained to me and I didn't get an answer to it. And it was, yeah, I'd, I if you score on yourself when you pull the goalie for the extra attacker, would you forfeit the point? I don't have the answer to that. Hmm. Interesting. I yeah, you can't wouldn't have expected that to be a rule. Yeah. Cato says, Devin Shore, elite shootout specialist. Mm -hmm. Liam, your thoughts? He scored the game winner against Vancouver last year, so why not do it again? Uh, why not? Why not? Uh, all right. We're going to table last night's game. We're just going to put that off to the side. We're going to forget about it for now. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit tomorrow. Tomorrow is a Sherwood Ford Giant game day. Oilers taking on the New York Rangers at 7 o'clock. Today is a game day for the Ben Stelter Memorial Tournament. If you haven't found out about this or heard about this, I guess, uh, we had Ben or Ben's dad, Mike, and Alec Card, one of the organizers of the event on the Real Life Podcast a couple of weeks ago. That tournament gets going tonight. There are two opening ceremonies down at the Kinsman Arena on the south side. One of them at 6 o'clock with the Stelter family and one of them at 8 o'clock when special guest Evander Kane will be there to help kick off the tournament. And I'm also playing in the tournament. I am on Team Boo Flames, Liam, and I am very excited to get things going at the Ben Stelter Memorial Tournament tonight. They're going to have a fantastic silent auction. It runs all weekend, too. So it goes tonight, Friday, Saturday, and the finals are Sunday at 2 silent auction going all weekend they got beer gardens it's going to be a really damn good time if you're more of a pond hockey fan our friends at cattail crossing also have a great event going on the blades of steel three on three tournament out there outdoors on the pond gregor strudwick and i think rob brown as well three of them around there they're doing like a hot stove and stuff there's a lot of hockey going on this weekend it's going to be a really fun weekend in the edmonton area uh yeah I'm excited for the Ben Stelter Memorial Tournament as well. That'll be really good. Frank Saravalli, our guy, put out a new trade targets list, Liam. Let's get into some trade talk. 
a new top five. Timo Meyer, Jacob Chikrin has moved up. Ryan O'Reilly, Patrick Kane, and Vladislav Gavrikov. Timo Meyer, we know the Oilers don't have interest. They're not going after him. Jacob Chikrin, we have heard the Oilers are out on Jacob Chikrin, are not looking at making that move. Ryan O'Reilly, I think, makes a ton of sense. Jason Greger is reporting as many as 10 teams are in the mix for Ryan O'Reilly. That probably takes the Oilers out of the conversation there. I think the asking price might just be too high. I think they want to do a couple of things, not just one. Patrick Kane, there's some smoke there. The Oilers could make sense. I have, I will remain steadfast in what I said yesterday when Frank was on the show and saying he can't be the only ad. If you get Kane, you need some help defensively. You can't just load up. That can't be the play here. Vlad Gavrikov, Frank seems to think there's some smoke connecting him to the Boston Bruins. I don't think the Oilers will go that direction because I don't think they want to pay a first round pick plus. I think they would have, I think instead of paying a first for Gavrikov, you can check down to some of the other defensive options that are available on the market. And there are a few out there on Frank Saravalli's list, his trade targets list uh, in the top 10. Aaron, can we throw it up? Look at that. Number eight. <laughs> the Carson Suzy dream is back alive. People one more year on his deal. 2.75 million. This guy has been playing top four minutes on a playoff contender. He is six foot five. You want this guy if you're the Edmonton Oilers. I want this guy. He's the dream fit. As I've been saying all year, the jersey is already made. Bring him home. Carson Soucy would be the ideal deadline target for the Edmonton Oilers on the blue line, Liam. I mean, like you said, the jersey's already been cocked up for him to get here. Just just change it over a little bit now, I suppose, now they've got the new jerseys. But you've been on him for a while, and I think he would be a very good fit for this team in the sense of just being a good defensive player. I like it way more than going after a Gavrikov or whoever else we have to give up a first-round pick for. I feel like maybe a Susie's maybe a bit more reasonable, I suppose. So, yeah, I like it. And I think from like a Seattle perspective, it kind of makes sense. I don't think they're going to go and win the Stanley Cup this season. I don't think they really... I don't think that's number one on their agenda either. So why not recoup a lot, some assets for a Carson Susie while you can? Well, so some of you might be thinking like, oh, why are the Seattle Kraken selling off? They're ahead of the Oilers in the standings. They're likely going to make the playoffs. What Frank is basically saying is, listen, they went out, they got Jacob Magna. They're probably going to let Susie walk this year. So you could potentially get an asset for this guy. And for the Kraken, I think they maybe recognize what they are in the sense that they're not winning the Stanley Cup this year. They're going to go get some valuable playoff experience, and that's important, and that can't be overlooked or understated. But is Carson Soucy, what kind of value does he bring them in a playoff series? Is he going to be the difference between them beating the Oilers in round one or beating the Kings in round one versus them losing? I don't think so. And maybe the Kraken recognize that and are sitting there going, whoa, whoa, whoa. If Vladislav Gavrikov's getting a first, and this guy, Carson Soucy, he's going to get us a first. So I think the asking price will be high. And I also do think as much as I love this guy as a potential fit, it's unrealistic because even if you're going to move him, you probably don't want to move him to a team you could potentially play in round one, right? You probably don't want that look if you're Ron Francis of sitting there at the end of, what if it's a seven game series against the Oilers and Carson Soucy plays 25 minutes in game seven and you got to sit there and address the media as Ron Francis and say, yeah, maybe we would have kept this season alive if we didn't move on from Carson Soucy. I think you probably move him out east or at least to a team who you wouldn't have to play early in the playoffs, but they'll probably want a first round pick for him. 
So if you're the Oilers, is Carson Soucy worth a first round pick? That's the question you'd have to ask yourself. I love him. I don't think I first round pick love him. I don't think there's a single rental defenseman out there who I would spend a first round pick on because I think it's foolish. Look at what the Panthers did last year with Ben Sherratt. That guy was nowhere near a first round pick. A second round pick? Yeah. Was Brett Kulak worth his second round pick? Yes. Partially because the Oilers re-signed him, but he was really damn good for them. I would give up a second for Carson Zusi. I would probably give up a second for Vladislav Gavrikov. I wouldn't touch the first round pick side of things is kind of my stance on this. And I also don't think the Kraken would trade him to Edmonton for anything less than, than, a, than a first round pick. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I honestly didn't realize the asking price would be as high as a first round pick, but it, I guess Same. it makes sense if that's what the market is. And it was kind of set last season too with, with uh, Sherratt and then Savard as well going to Tampa Bay. I believe there was a first round pick in there as well. So whenever that was a couple of years ago. So the market is very interesting right now on defensive defensemen while they're not putting up glamorous points. We saw that Susie has 12, I think, on the season. They're probably yeah. going to prevent quite a lot from going in the back of your net. The question I think a lot of people are asking in the chat right now, is he better than Brett Kulak? Like, where do you think he kind of would sit on the Oilers depth chart right now. And I'm kind of with you in the sense of second round pick or third round pick, whatever. And maybe you throw a little bit extra in there somehow and then hope you can re-sign him in the off season. But also why would Seattle want to trade him to the Oilers? Like you said, who they could play in the first round. Yeah, I think that's just it. And you're probably not re-signing Brett Kulak this off season because you have, or sorry, not Kulak, Carson Soucy this off season because you have Nurse, Kulak and Broberg. There's just not a ton of room for a guy unless you're confident enough in his ability to kind of flip over to his offside, which actually Colby Cohen was on Daily Faceoff Live today, former NHL defenseman. He's now an analyst for the Chicago Blackhawks and he does some work with us at dailyfaceoff.com. Um, he was talking about how he thinks as we go along here, teams need to stop caring so much about left and right shot demon and just search for consistency. He was saying, hey, these guys are so skilled with the puck now. Every defenseman is that you can, for the most part, flip guys to their offside, keep them there. They'll get used to it and they'll find a way to thrive. So I actually think that's an interesting idea to kind of keep in mind. He's obviously a guy who knows what it takes to be an NHL defenseman and he played on his offside his entire college career. So maybe you can bring in a lefty and keep him long term. I just still don't see it as super realistic. They're in the market or they're in the market for a rental, I believe. And Susie's going to be an expensive one. Jake McCabe's going to be expensive. Vlad Gavrikov's going to be expensive. Jake McCabe, I know, isn't a rental. The good news, though, for the Oilers with Susie being out there is the more shutdown D-men that are on the market, the better. Because it's just going to drive prices down, right? It's like a game of musical chairs. There's only so many seats and only so many players that can fill them. If Gavrikov goes for a first, McCabe goes for a first, Susie goes for a first, then I think you might be sitting there with some of that, that that group who's the second tier. You might be, and I'm checking my phone every two seconds waiting to see if we got a pulley RV trade, but we don't. Um, that second tier of shutdown D-men, which would include a Luke Shen, maybe a Matt Dumba, but I think he'd be more expensive. Nick Sealer, Jake Wallman, they're probably in that third tier. Those kind of players, the price could fall. And I think that's maybe where the Oilers look. If a bunch of teams are hungry after the likes of Susie, Gavrikov, McCabe, maybe Luke Shen's price drops and the Oilers can go get a guy like that. And he can be your veteran replacement for Vinny DeHarnay, who's going to be your sixth, seventh defenseman. 
I like Jake Wallman out in Detroit. That's a guy who's been playing first pairing minutes with Moritz Sider all year. He makes a million bucks against the cap just over it. So if the wings kept half, maybe you could work out a deal for Jake Wallman. Left shot, 26 years old. Maybe not as experienced as you'd like. Does Hasn't played a ton in the NHL, but a guy who I still think could give you some value. Maybe it's a two-for-one stop with the Detroit Red Wings. A situation where you can go with Jake Wallman and Tyler Bertuzzi, who I think we're right next to each other on Frank's trade targets board. Yeah, right there, Aaron. Sealer, Wallman, Bertuzzi, even Benino. I think this group here actually has a couple of interesting Oilers targets. Edmonton needs to win more face-offs. Nick Benino could be that guy for you. Tyler Bertuzzi makes you harder to play against in your middle six. He could be that guy for you. Jake Wallman would give you defensive depth. And I know I got some tweets today when I brought up some of this and people were like, hey, why are we targeting bottom pairing defensemen? Aim higher, aim higher. And I get it. You should aim higher. But just because you're looking at the top end of the market, at the Patrick Canes and stuff like that, doesn't mean you don't keep an eye on pieces like this because sometimes these under-the-radar moves, guys who you don't think can come in and make an impact for you or who the general fan, casual fan, doesn't think can, they end up doing damage. Remember when Washington won their Stanley Cup? They went out and picked up Nick Jensen off the scrap heap, man. And that guy turned around and was playing top-pairing minutes with John Carlson. Sometimes this stuff just clicks. You never know. And I think those four players in particular are worth just keeping a bit of an eye on. I think sometimes too, when you get those guys who haven't been in winning environments it, yeah. and then you put them in one, I think it gives them a little bit more motivation and like kind of gives them some new life to go out there and you can elevate their game a little bit. So I, yeah, I don't think it's bad to, to go and fish everywhere, right? Like it, I think it'd be pretty narrow minded of Ken Holland just to be looking at the top 10 guys when you have all these other players available to you as well. He's not just going to sit there and say, oh, Patrick Kane or... Jacob Chikrin is like, you have to look everywhere. And if the, if the piece is in Detroit with Warman and the piece is there. Pradneski says, if you have teams like Vegas getting Kane, Kings get Chikrin, maybe Dallas gets Meyer. There's no way in hell we're winning. I mean, I think, yeah, like that's fair. You can't, if you're Ken Holland and you look at every other team going out there and making an impact an impact and an impact. And you sit there and you only check down. That's a problem. 100%. And I'm not saying the Oilers aren't going to go big game hunting. I think Ken Holland is going to get the itch at some point here. I just, if you're sitting here holding your breath until and waiting for Eric Carlson, you're going to turn blue in the face, man. Like, it's just not, (laughs) I don't think you can do that in season. And they clearly aren't going to gun after Chicker. And I think he's going to LA or Columbus. Patrick Kane is interesting, but does he help your defensive issues? Not really. I don't know. It's a weird spot right now. It's a really weird spot for the Oilers. John Glenn says, totally agree, Tyler. The Oilers will likely trade for some solid guys slightly off our radar. Lance says, no matter how good a trade Holland does, if it's with Detroit, fans will hate it. I mean, some fans will, but I think those are probably just closed-minded fans. Like Jake Wallman, I think, is a pretty good D-man. I think he could fit in really nicely here. It sucks we didn't get a chance to see him play last night. He was out of the lineup. I think he's day-to-day with like an illness or something. Um, But I I just think there's still a lot of different avenues the Edmonton Oilers could go. And you guys know that. You've all been watching the show for the last week. We've beaten this to death, more or less. But new trade targets from Frank Saravalli. There are some new names on the list. Susie was the one that's the most significant. I'm intrigued by Niels Hoglander in Vancouver. Just because he almost feels like Yessa Pugliarvi-esque. He's down in the American League right now. He's a guy who has a ton of skill. 
Like this guy has shown flashes at the NHL level of being like a 20 plus goal guy in his first season, scored 13 goals in 56 games, played that entire Canada division season, scored 10 and 60 last year, three and 25 this year. Now he finds himself in the American league. He's undersized at five foot, 985 pounds. He's on the board. Interesting. I like this actually in this group here. Again, I think there's a couple of guys the Oilers could look at. I like Jacob Verana, but the fact he's a left wing probably takes the Oilers out of it. Liam, your boy is Max Domi. If he's on the market and he's cheap enough, I think that's intriguing. Shane Goss's bear has been the reported check down. If they can't get an Eric Carlson deal done and they want a puck mover, there you go. Matthias Ekholm. Let's circle back to this name because we kind of didn't talk about him for a little bit, but he's back on the trade targets board. Three more years after this one at 6.25 million, 32 years old. The Predators have no one on their retained salary books. If they were willing to keep a couple mil of Matthias Ekholm for the next three seasons, I think I would pay a decent amount to get that guy here. You, you would pay to get him here? Yeah, I would. I, I like him. I like him and I'd love him at 4.42 million or 4.2 million or even 4.5 million if you found a way to make that money work. Yeah, I think he, he's such an interesting player considering they literally just signed him. So yep. he kind of fits a lot of the things you always want, I suppose, in a defensive defenseman in a way with some offensive skill set, I guess you could say. But yeah, he's uh, he's someone that is definitely intriguing, but the whole money thing too is just something that seems to be coming up a lot more now in the NHL where players are wanting out or teams are wanting out from like long-term deals. So I'm curious to kind of see how this all plays out with not only him, but Carlson too. And then I think there was a couple other names in there with a couple extra years. But yeah, I mean, if the others went out and got Ekholm, I don't think many people would be disappointed in the acquisition. If you're watching on the Nation Network YouTube, do us a solid hammer that like button as well. Austin says Ekholm shoots left. Yes, but he has experience playing on either side of the blue line as well. He's listed as a guy who can play both, um, but he is a left shot D-man. Like, I'm not giving up Philip Broberg for him, but I'd be really intrigued at what Matthias Ekholm could do on this blue line. If they retain two mil, I think that might be worth giving, or it is worth giving up a first round pick for, in my opinion, just from that retained salary and the kind of contract Ekholm would be. I think he'd make this team a lot better. Sergeant Battle says Holland has to keep our big two happy. They want a puck mover. So maybe that's why they go after Augustus Bear instead. But um, a few names lower down the list here. I know Nick Bukestad has been talked about a lot. Tyler Mulek likes to call him. Uh, he's long Derek Ryan. And if we're keeping up with all the comparisons, Bukestad is long Derek Ryan. John Klingberg is tall Tyson Berry. Jacob Chikrin is shorter Darnell Nurse. And I think that's all the ones we've covered on the show. People are wondering why the Sharks called up a D-man. Uh, again, the Sharks called up a D-man because they don't have a lot of active players. They only have six D-men on their roster right now. I don't think it's trade-related. I think we would have heard something by now. What were you going to say, Liam? Uh, I'm all good. You carry on. You're all good. Uh, rounding out Frank's board, Vidali Kraftsov, Jack Roslevic, Andreas Athanasiu, James Reimer, Anthony Duclair. None of those guys really do it for me. Again, Duclair's a left winger. If you're going to add a winger, you probably have to add a righty. Kraftsov can't stick in New York. Don't want him. Athanasiu, no. Reimer, they have two goalies. Roslevic is overpaid. So I, as you get lower down the list, I think the names get less and less intriguing from an Oilers perspective. Uh, Mason is in. We want to trade. Yeah, man. Yep. Everyone does. 
Uh, Sergeant Battle says, you got to do your job and kick tires on puck movers. Yeah, 100%. Sean in Calgary, Henrique at 50% should be on the list. He's not on Frank's list, and Frank's list is based on who he believes is available. But if Henrique was available, I think that'd be a really good name for the Oilers. A guy who can win draws, plays the right way, get him at a decent retained numbers and pull Yarvi the other way, throw in a pick. I'd love to see a move like that. But Henrique's not on the list, so I, I don't think it's something we should be holding our breath on. But maybe, maybe Ken Holland finds a way to surprise us with something. The last area I want to talk about on this list, we're going back up closer to the top. I forgot that I wanted to have this conversation. It's number 11, Jonathan Taves. He has fallen out of the top 10. And I think it's really interesting what Frank not only wrote about him at dailyfaceoff.com, but said about him on the latest episode of the DFO Rundown. Basically, his value is plummeting. Here's Frank's scoop. Taves has fallen out of the top 10 as his trade stock has plummeted over the last 10 days. He hasn't played since before the All-Star break, sitting out the last six games with an illness, and will not rejoin the Blackhawks for the final game of their trip in Ottawa. Taves continues to work out, but there is no plan in place for him to return. That's concerning because Taves missed the entire 2020-2021 season with a chronic immune response syndrome believed to be related to long COVID. How will he bounce back? Will he bounce back when he's played? Taves has been a shadow of himself, slowed significantly this season and far off from the stingy pain in the ass center and unshakable leader. This is increasingly looking like a difficult trade to pull off if he even wants to be traded. Okay. If he wants to go, I still think the Hawks do right by him and give him a shot to go on a cup run somewhere. Mm -hmm. If his value is plummeting, the Oilers should still be making a call. We've talked before, like, oh, if Taves is at his peak, is he worth a first-round pick? He's not. Now, if no one's interested, everyone's scared of this illness, he's not in the lineup, is he worth a second-round pick? Maybe not. I think if you're Chicago, though, it sends a weird message to your diehard fans that, hey, this guy who's going to have a statue outside of our building, who's going to be up in the rafters one day at the United Center, we're moving him for a third. So it got me thinking, is there a prospect in the Oilers system that the Hawks would like? I think it's easier to stomach if you get a warm body back for him. Would, would you sacrifice, and I know he's having a good year in the American League, would you sacrifice a Raphael Lavoie and a fifth round pick to a third party broker to get Jonathan Taves on this team for like $2.75 This means you have to get Pugliarvi out the door as well. I understand that. Uh, I think it's interesting because like kind of the story around Taves, it felt like for the majority of the season was like, oh, he's he's found his offensive game again. Like he's gonna bring value, and now all this is happening. So maybe maybe a Lavoie, and then yeah, the fifth to to the third team to get some money taken off it. But I don't know. Like, is t Jonathan Taves gonna harm your team that much, especially with like the defensive record he does have throughout his career? Maybe just that knowledge alone is worth something within this Oilers dressing room, right? And maybe a fresh start gives him a bit of a spark as well. So I just, even though the market's cooling on Taves, I, I still want to keep an eye on him. Tyler Mulek, Taves might not leave at this point. Yeah, like he honestly might not. He might just say, hey, look, I'm not feeling good. I don't have it mm -hmm. in me to go on a playoff run. Like that could very realistically happen in all of this. So he'd have to be healthy. He'd have to be motivated and want the move, but he still is number 11 on the trade targets board. So it was worth keeping in mind. Uh, let's get to our Betway wrap for today's show.
We all missed again yesterday because the Oilers lost. So that sucks for our challenge. Uh, outside of the NHL, Liam, I love the Florida Panthers tonight, actually. They're like minus 130 on the money line, taking on a Capitals team that has no Alexander Ovechkin. I like the Panthers. Carter Verhage shot prop is great as well. But what do you like tonight? I am going to go with the Detroit Red Wings just to do as a favor down in Calgary. Plus 200. Sure. They've, been actually, they've been very, very good recently. And I thought that value was just kind of there. I get it second and back-to-backs and all that kind of stuff. But it's not exactly a long travel down to Calgary, is it? So they shouldn't plague them too much. I think if they can gain any momentum from yesterday, that would help. I just mostly like the value they have here, maybe more than anything else. The second line uh, is over six and a half in the Montreal and Carolina game. Now, Carolina, I think, are just known as this defensive team, but they've kind of been leaking goals a little bit recently. And when they haven't been leaking, they've been scoring. And then Montreal, since coming back from their uh, their break, they've put up six against the others, and I, I believe it was four the other night too. So both teams have kind of been scoring goals, but also allowing them a little bit too. So I like the over six and a half there at plus money. Good stuff, Liam. Good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow with our game day big bet series brought to you by Betway 19 plus. Please play responsibly. It will also be a Sherwood Ford giant game day with a big shout out to Sherwood Ford and their fantastic service center. They got free valet service pickup and drop off and their new Ford mobile service. Plenty of reasons why you should be choosing Sherwood Ford the giant. Uh, also, one more shout out to Montana's. It's your last chance to enter in to get that $100 gift card as well. Um, head to our social media. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is where you can find out how to win that gift card. We did not get a trade in 48 minutes of Oilers talk today. I thought we were. I thought we were getting a waiver thing. I thought we were getting a trade. We didn't. I think something's cooking. As Daniel Nugent Bowman says, Kyler Yamamoto can't play tomorrow versus the Rangers unless the Oilers make a trade. And I will add, it's unless they make a trade or they could send down both. I think it's... Harney and Holloway since they're waiver exempt or something like that. You could send down two waiver exempt players and run a 20 man roster tomorrow and just play with less bodies. But we'll see. We will see. Uh, maybe we'll get news this afternoon and you'll have to hear about it on the new episode of the real life podcast. But regardless, thanks to everyone who tuned in today on the show tomorrow. Yes, Austin, we could be talking about a trade tomorrow. We will be talking about the Oilers taking on the Rangers. Noon Mountain Time every single weekday. You won't want to miss a show. We'll chat with you again on Friday, everybody. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.